Hey everyone, Ben here with a quick interruption before we get into today's episode to let you know that we have been nominated for a Sports Podcast Award. Yippee! That is very, very exciting. We are actually incredibly honoured and excited to have that nominee. And you, the listener, yes, the very person that is listening to this right now can help us win a Sports Podcast Award and get us on the podium for once rather than always being off the podium. To do so, head to sportspodcastawards.com. Dot com, register to vote, click on the Best Olympic and Paralympic Podcast category where you can then vote for us to win. Now, you will have to listen to the other nominees as well, but let's be honest, you know you're going to vote for us because you're listening to our show today, which means we know you like us and we'd very much appreciate the vote in advance. Sportspodcastawards.com, that's how you do it, and we thank you in advance. And everybody who votes for us, we promise to thank you in our acceptance speech should we win. Right now, I'm going to shut up, play some music, and then you're going to hear me talk again as we get into today's episode of Off the Podium. Enjoy. They're standing and they're applauding that dramatic performance by James Orville and Christopher Dean. Alex Philodeau. It takes a lot to make him happy and he is clearly pleased. She's up. She's moving nicely. She's got it. It is Off the Podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you today for another Olympian interview in the lead up to Beijing. So excited to chat today to a history-making athlete, the first ever Australian to win a Winter Youth Olympic gold medal. Josie Baff won gold in the snowboard cross at the Lucerne Olympics in 2020 and on the cusp of making her debut at the non-youth Olympics in Beijing. We, we, you'll hear us talk about in this interview about the correct terminology here of how to describe a youth Olympics versus a regular Olympics or whatever the correct terminology is. See, it's even difficult right now to say this, but this is a great chat with Josie, learning about her career in the sport, choosing between ski racing and snowboarding, inspirations that she was able to have growing up and her hopes for the future. The time of recording this interview, she was just on the cusp of the World Cup season. And of course, by the time you're listening to this, we will no doubt know whether or not she is on that plane to Beijing or not. So this essentially is an interview done a couple of months ago in the lead up to the Olympics to talk a bit about her career and hopes for Beijing should she be there, of course, as well. So sit back. Relax and enjoy our chat with Australian Youth Olympic gold medalist Josie Bath. We're getting so close right now to the Beijing Winter Olympics, and we're continuing to talk to athletes involved in a variety of different winter sports that are, of course, at the Olympics with Olympic experience and potential Olympic experience as we get closer to those games. And so thrilled to be able to talk today to an athlete from the sport of snowboard cross. We haven't had a snowboard cross athlete on in quite some time, actually, so I'm excited to talk about it again. And a history-making athlete. This 
guest today is a groundbreaking moment for Australia in 2020. The first ever Winter Youth Olympic gold medal by an Australian when she won the snowboard cross at those games. And uh, right on the cusp of making her appearance at the senior Olympics. I don't want to call them the normal Olympics. I feel the <laughs> senior Olympics. It's a pleasure to welcome to the show Josie Baff. Josie, welcome to Off the Podium. It's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. You're my light. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say straight away, like the, the light goes off. It's like, uh, yeah. there you go. It's, it knows. It knows. It knows. it knows to do a dramatic sort of entrance for you as kind of a, yeah. you get introduced there with it. But I mean, I. Do you call it like the normal, the senior Olympics? Like it's kind of weird isn't it, to call it like the I, normal Olympics. <laughs> I got so much smack for it because in one of my interviews at the games, at the Youth Olympics, I said, yeah, I'm really excited. Hopefully I'll make the real Olympics. And I have never lived that down. So I cannot <laughs> offer any good advice on that. The, the non-Youth Olympics. Um, yeah, I'm like, uh, the Olympics, it, it's, real, it's, a, it's a tough one. Yeah, yeah. That's how the Olympics is just standard, right? Youth Olympics, yeah. Olympics. Because even saying the senior Olympics seems wrong because there's no eight. Like, you can be. We, ju- we just had 13-year-olds yeah. win medals in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. So, like, I mean, mm-hmm. they should be at the Youth Olympics. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, yeah, it's fascinating. No. But obviously at the time of recording this, you're getting prepared for the, the World Cup season, getting closer and closer mm-hmm. to to Beijing but I mean how are you how are you feeling right now just just ahead of course of this World Cup season and getting closer to your goal of of making the Olympics yeah I mean it's kind of overwhelming when I think about it too much I'm just kind of going with the flow one step at a time like one day at a time and just trying to think of all the things that I do know how to do and I think back on like the preparation that I had before coming here and it's significantly better than what I had last year so I can only be improving, which is promising. But um, when I think about it too much, I do get a little bit overwhelmed for sure. But I'm really mostly just excited to see what happens and see how everything goes and get some of the anticipation over because we're leaving for our first World Cup in China, which is the test event. So the course will be pretty similar to the games. And we're leaving in like just under two weeks. So that'll be, that'll be very exciting. Um, but it's definitely a lot. For sure. And and how does yeah. then the process work for qualification? Because I know it's obviously different for certain winter mm-hmm. sports. There's, there's quotas that you've got to achieve and then you get selected for those quotas. But mm-hmm. the snowboard cross, how does that work during this World Cup season to get you and, and Belle and the team and everybody to Beijing? Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to be in the top 30 of the girls on the Olympic quota list. And um, to do that, you have to compete in World Cups and gain points. But I haven't actually looked into like what exactly I have to do because honestly, I'd rather not know because for me, I'm going to do my best no matter what. Like I'm always going to try my hardest. So I don't want to put pressure on getting like specific results to make it. And I'm just going to take that pressure off by not knowing and then finding out when I have. Great, great sort of attitude. So that it'll yeah. just be a gentle tap on the shoulder and basically be like, oh, but Josie, great run today. By the way, you've qualified for yeah. the Olympics. <laughs> That's what I'm hoping is going to happen. <laughs> just a gentle, nice little news you'll yeah. sort of get there. But I, I believe you sort of grew up in a very snow-based family, mm-hmm. obviously in, in Jindabyne, sort of a good area for it and that. But what was it about snowboard that took your fancy as opposed to, say, skiing, which I believe you started in? Yeah, I started skiing and I still, I love skiing so much. I actually was training like for the ski racing up until like three or four years ago. And 
then I was snowboarding. Like I would only snowboard for competitions or when I went overseas with my dad who runs snowboard camps. And I just, I love them both equally. Like I definitely still now, I don't really have a necessary like favorite, but I got selected onto answers, which is the development pathway. And I was doing really well in some competitions when I was younger and I wasn't really training that much for them. And my sister was doing border cross and my brother was doing border cross. And then eventually I kind of just morphed my way and put all my eggs into border cross, which I'm very happy I have done, but definitely miss skiing sometimes too, but I try and get out and ski as much as I possibly can. Well, I've got to bring up a hero of ours on the show right now while you're talking about doing both. Esther Ledecka can do it, Jersey. So, I mean, she, you know, there, there's can. a possibility there that you could still combine <laughs> the two, right? Come on. I mean, I, I have thought about it and, like, some of my, like, family friends have joked about it, but uh, that would be very, very impressive, I must say. Um, she's an incredible athlete and I actually don't know how how she does it. It's insane. Still one of my favourite quotes I've ever heard is when she she won the gold in the Super G and Lindsay Vaughn basically famously said the whole, I just got beaten by a freaking snowboarder, which, uh, you know, I mean, that's a T-shirt. There <laughs> yeah. should be a T-shirt with Lindsay <laughs> Vaughn's shocked face iconic. on it. I just got beaten by a freaking snowboarder, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind it's of works that way. It's a, it's a crazy moment. Which So when sort of you growing up doing both is it a case of that you've got to balance the two like, okay, I'm going to do some ski racing events now and snowboarding then, or can, do they kind of work in cahoots where you can mm. be doing both uh, sort of until you, I guess, as you're saying, switching focus to snowboarding? Yeah. I mean, for me, I think that ski racing has definitely helped my snowboarding in numerous ways. And most people who I've spoken to who had a very strong ski, um, like ski racing background has noticed it in their snowboarding as well, because Snowboarding is a relatively new sport. So having like when you go, when you're in a ski racing club, which I was for my whole life, pretty much, um, you learn about like how to make a turn, the apex of a turn, where the pressure of the turn goes and the lines you take, there's a lot more theory behind it. Like as soon as there's a bad weather day, that's what you're learning. You're watching videos of Ted Ligeti and Michaela Schifrin, you know, all the top, dogs of ski racing and you're watching them and you're analyzing them at such a young age that it's kind of gets ingrained into your knowledge. And then it kind of transfers to snowboarding. You don't really know, like my GS, like how I turn a snowboard is probably one of my strong suits in border cross. It just makes sense to me. I don't have to think about it. It's like second nature. So I think that they definitely help. I mean, you can't just ski your whole life and then expect to be amazing on the snowboard, obviously, but I think that they definitely do help each other and that's part of the reason why I have made it as far as I have. I've got to ask a question. I'm sure it's a question you might get asked by people like myself who are just completely unco when it comes to snow sports. I, earlier this year, gave my first crack at skiing. Told the story mm-hmm. here many times that I lasted 30 seconds, chickened out and went back to the lodge. But did I make the wrong decision? Because I was sort of questioning whether I should try the skiing or the snowboarding. I was told mm-hmm. skiing was easier was i wrong should i have tried snowboarding (laughs) um personally i think i mean learning at a young age definitely helps and like a lot obviously learning skills as you get older gets more difficult but um skiing is definitely easier to learn and then i think it's harder to master right mostly because it's been around for so long it's so perfected it's a beautiful craft and snowboarding it's hard 
to get the gist of and you crash a lot, you will have sore knees, sore bum, sore wrists. <laughs> like <laughs> it, it's a brutal first experience and a lot of people do get discouraged by it. But once you get past that and you can link terms, then you kind of develop the skills a lot faster and right. you kind of get to that top level quicker. Okay. That's like the right. general idea. Good to know. I mean, I'm, I'm only 34, so time is probably running out for me to make the Olympics. But I still, you know, no, like I never say no, never, right? never say never. <laughs> never say never. Which, when you were growing up then sort of doing the two, did you have Olympic aspirations early on? Were you growing up watching the Winter Olympics going, I want to do that? Or was this something that sort of mm -hmm. came to you the further you developed in each of the sports? Um, no, I definitely knew I wanted to go. I always knew I wanted to go to the Olympics, but I never knew what for. And I was actually thinking about it the other day and we had to write down our goals in the ski racing when I was training one day and I wrote, I wrote down, I want to go to the youth Olympics in ski across or board across. And I didn't know which one it was going to be. And then I went, so, um, it's pretty cool to think about, but I think seeing, I had a lot of people around me who were like in sport and my dad had co has coached like many olympians so having that relationship and seeing that it's possible in like a closer way definitely I, it was always it was always my dream so and i can imagine then seeing you would have been what about seven or so when tora won gold in 2010 mm -hmm. like was seeing somebody like her achieve such a groundbreaking moment for snowboarding in Australia, first Olympic gold medal. Was that also something that you looked towards and thought, well, okay, well, Tora Bright can do it. I can do it too. Yeah, definitely. And Tora actually, my dad did coach Tora. So um, we had like a good relationship. And I remember we would play like soccer in the backyard and with her family and her sisters and everything like that. And I think that definitely has been like a strong point in like a pivotal moment in snowboarding in general. And I think that that was a pivotal moment for me as well. When it comes to choosing the discipline of, of snowboard cross, I mean, sort of relating it to the ski racing side of things, but was there any mm -hmm. ever attempt or thought of half pipe, big air, you know, giant slalom, things like that? Or is it more of a case you like the racing aspects? So that's why you chose the discipline of, of snowboard cross. Yeah. I mean, I, like, don't get me wrong. I love going in the park and I love like, hitting jumps and hitting rails, but it's definitely, I think racing is what I, I loved. I loved ski racing is what I started with. I started in um, giant slalom and I started in slalom and skiing. And then throughout like into schools, which is like it, probably one of the main pathways into professional sport in Australia. It's like an awesome, awesome way to get young kids involved and they all love it. Um, but that definitely, I loved that part of it. I mean, half pipe and slope style aren't in into schools, and I don't think that's the reason why I haven't done it. But I just like going fast, and I like having a distinct time. Like, there's no discretion; it's like not subjective. So that's what I love about it, and I it's just awesome. And then as soon as I did border cross, and I was like racing with three other people on the course, I was like, this is so cool. Like, no run is ever the same. You can't affect that you can't train to the same run all the time every single run is going to be different no matter what and it's not just on you it's on the other people around you and the course and the conditions and it's always different that's what i love about it which yeah, it's so entertaining i think too because I, I i remember my first real 
I guess, taste. I mean, I remember back in Turin when we had the uh, the snowboarder who famously was celebrating right at the end, right? And then she kind of like, you know, celebrated a little bit too early. But I think yeah, I really paid attention to it during Sochi with all mm-hmm. the hype around Chumpy and kind of obviously the success mm-hmm. he had had in the lead up to those games and then and realising that you can be the best in the world at this event but that come an event that all of a sudden, as we saw, unfortunately, with Chumpy during Sochi, it just didn't come together. Yeah. And it's it's just fascinating. It's the excitement of it and there's very few sports mm-hmm. like it, is there, where yeah. you can dominate the absolute hell out of a World Cup but come an Olympic Games, mm-hmm. you're gone in the first round. Yeah, it's, it, it is. That's it's probably one of the sports where you're least consistent. Like if you're consistent in the sport, you are like incredible. There's no one has won every single race in a season that I know of. That would be very impressive. And I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that hasn't happened. I don't want to, I don't want to quote until it. Until this <laughs> current world cup, until you do it basically. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. But I think that that's like such an awesome part because it gives everyone an opportunity to experience it and, have their moment to shine or um i mean you still have to be good to win no matter what you, there's numerous rounds you can't just fluke it i mean you could do a Stephen Bradbury for sure but um i think i think that that's like such an awesome part of the sport and it really brings out how you prepare for it because if you are really prepared then if you are consistent you are like unstoppable and that's like awesome and is it a momentum-based thing mentally that if you're in good form, you, you're coming off mm. some good podium finishes or, you know, winning that, that mentally you're going into these events all of a sudden feeling that extra boost of like, hey, I'm kicking ass right now. I'm going to do well today. I mean, I would assume so. I've only done one World Cup and I haven't had the opportunity to do a lot of competitions back to back. But going into this season, that is what we are planning on doing. So I'm very intrigued to see how that's going to work. I think it, I, I personally think that it would be. I'm sure if you're going well in something, you usually continue to do that until it, it stops going well and then you might have to come back. And then, But I think, I think momentum is a huge part. You mentioned about the Olympic dreams, didn't really know too much what it was. Was that purely just the winter side of things? Were you very sporty growing up? Were there some other, say, summer sports mm-hmm. maybe that you were trying that potentially could have been a different career path for you? Yeah, I mean... I knew I always wanted to be an Olympian. That was like the overarching goal. And I think ski racing and um, snowboarding was a bigger part and I was getting really good results in that. The competitions were local so I could do them rather than, I think in summer sports it's harder in a small town to you know get exposed to all of that. But I was a very sporty kid growing up. I was doing tennis, netball. I did little athletics, soccer, I mean, Soccer's not my strong suit, that's for sure. But I did that like when I was really young. And I think um, like I was one of those kids who had something going on every afternoon after school. And that's just what I love doing. I loved being outside and loved being active. I'm trying to see here, and I don't know if this is something if I'm putting you on the spot with here, but have there been Olympians from Jindabyne before? Is this kind of something? Yes. There has been? Okay. Yeah. So there has been quite a few actually, even from, we have a little, like at my old school, we had like a little wall of people who had come from Jindabai and I, I could list them. I, well, Adam Dixon and Adam Lambert, they both have been, they went last year for border cross and um, they're both local kids in Jindabai and known them most of my life. So that was cool to see them go. And then Tora was in Kuma. So that's yeah. not too far away. It's half an hour yeah. away. And Nicole Parks. I really hope I'm not missing anybody else. 
So that sounds mainly the winter athletes, though. Like, obviously, yeah. it's based on the geography and kind of the snow. Yes. It's known for the winter side which mm-hmm. it's coming from a small town, though. I mean, I'm from Hobart. You know who your Olympians are. Even in a city the size of yeah. Hobart, we're very proud and Tasmanians. Mm-hmm. We know who they are. So it's kind of that, yeah. that level of pride, isn't it? They're like, oh, I know you're from that place, so I'm going to look up to you and kind of relate to you yeah. a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And I think I think I don't know if there has been any – I don't want to say that there hasn't, but I don't think there has been any summer Olympians from Jindabyne. And I think that probably does have to do with one, all of the athletic people who are into that, maybe getting to skiing and snowboarding instead. But I also think that it has something to do with like the programs that are around us. Like people travel to come and ski and snowboard where we are. So, yeah. Cause it's, a, it's an interest. I mean, most countries will have those hot spots for like the winter sports. But I mean, if you know, you're talking to European nations, North American nations where they've got, you know, many to choose from for Australia, it's very selective, right? You know, yeah. Buller, Threadbow, Hotham, like, you know, mm-hmm. we all know where they, they all are and kind of on a handful, or if you're doing ice sports, you know, you go into the ice house yeah. in Melbourne or places like that. So, but it's also that community I can imagine too, that, I mean, you're mentioning your mm-hmm. dad's training Olympians, you're meeting someone like Tora Bright at a young age and yeah. you're all involved in such a tight-knit community, which which I can imagine helps spur you on when you're going to these World Cup events and, mm-hmm. and, you know, give that sort of family feel to it, I imagine, as well. Yeah, it's awesome. I think it takes away some of, like, the overwhelming aspect of it because you see if you know somebody and then they are very successful, it doesn't seem as, like, far away. It, like, that goal doesn't seem like it's impossible to reach a bit. And, like, meeting them, you're not completely starstruck and you're not like, oh, my gosh. And I think it's because you have seen the preparation into it and you have you can see that anyone can do it. It's just a matter of mindset and determination pretty much. Sure, a bit of natural talent does come in there. But um, I think seeing that is huge. And it, it's a very supportive group because when you join into it like when I came into it last year into the OWIA I wasn't like I definitely felt like I was on the backside of it for sure like I knew that I was new and I felt fresh I felt young and um unexperienced but now I have like kind of gotten to know them even more on like a more personal level and that's like really awesome to have that sense of family it really is and I think even crossing over into different sports like you have friends like my one of my best friends since I was an infant Abby Harrigan she's a um, slope style skier and we went to the first Youth Olympics together and now we're hoping to both go to Beijing together and having that is crazy like we grew up together we've known each other since we were tiny and we have like photos where we're like we couldn't even speak it's 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 really awesome so I think that that part of it is it's really nice and comforting and I love that to you mentioned the OWI. I mean, something as simple as how well their social media and website is run. Like we, I feel if you're following the OWI, you get to know all of you in terms of mm. the athletes because they've got great profiles on you. They do little things like, oh, it's such and such as birthday today or like yeah. stay up to date with this World Cup. Like it adds a personal level to getting to know athletes in the lead up to a Winter Olympics because you know, no disrespect to the summer athletes, but when you've got, you mm-hmm. know, a team of four, 500 people going to one games and you've got a team of 40 or 50, totally. it's hard to get to know every mm-hmm. single summer athlete. Whereas I feel that when we're a show like us is covering the winter Olympics, we know mm-hmm. all of you because there's so few, mm-hmm. but 
it's that personal level. And we can understand your stories, the challenges that a winter athlete has in Australia to a, make mm-hmm. an Olympic game. So I think all props to the OWI for the great work that they're doing with, with everyone, not just from the athletic side of things, but just the, the personal side of things to make people like me connect with athletes going to Winter Olympics. That's really awesome feedback. I'll have to tell, I'll have to tell our um, social media manager that. That's really awesome to hear, actually. And I, I, I would agree. I think even before I came into the OWA and before I knew a lot of people personally, I did kind of know who they were. Like I didn't go in and go, oh, I don't know that face. I don't know what sport you do. And I think it, I think it helped spark a lot of connections too because you don't have to go through that whole first like, oh, what's your name? What sport do you do? How old are you? Kind of thing. You kind of already know. Like, yeah, that's awesome. One thing just on the training aspect, outside of the obvious of one between ski racing and snowboarding, one you've got two planks on your feet one you got one is there in terms of if, you, if you're hitting the gym and like now that you're sort of switching mm-hmm. focus to snowboarding is there much in terms of the physical side of things outside of just racing that you need to do as a snowboarder as opposed to a ski racer i think that the preparation is both pretty similar like you still want to have like fundamental like if you dissemble the parts of border cross it has jumps so you need to be it's it's long it's an endurance event it's usually a minute long which is a long time if you were to go and do squats for a minute with a certain amount of weight and jumping, I, you get pretty, you get pretty tired. Pretty I get quick. tired with one so, squat, so yeah, I'm screwed. Yeah, yeah. So I think um, having like that level of endurance and that cardio, like if, even if you did high knees for a minute, you would be tired. So um, you have to be both strong, have strength endurance, have cardiovascular endurance, and you have to be powerful and fast. So there's a, every aspect pretty much of gym preparation is covered. And I think in ski racing, that's very similar, but um, especially in ski cross, but then they kind of goes into specific parts. So you have the fundamental base and then you kind of add this topping of specific border crossings. So we have, um, I think the probably the biggest thing is like lateral hurdle jumps because we're like constantly like trying to get over features as fast as we can without touching them that's like one of the things i'm learning at the moment is trying to like come out of the snow before you go into it so you can skip the takeoff because if you're riding up the wall then it's obviously going to be slower if you're jumping and not touching the wall and you're skimming that so um we do like lateral hurdle jumps and that's probably one of the most like sport specific things that we do is there on a competition day or sort of in the lead up to a competition do you do sort of a walk of the course. I mean, I'm a big Formula One fan and they do the track mm-hmm. walk, for example, you know, before the event to mm-hmm. make sure that they're getting there. I mean, is that something that you can do as an athlete in border cross to go, okay, well, this is challenging. I, I know that that's there now so I can prep myself for a competition? Yeah, so we often, often for the border cross races, I would, there's a day where the coaches go up and they have a look and there's a testing day and a few like selected athletes go through and make sure that the course is all running smoothly and that there's no... Um, parts where it doesn't work because it has to flow if everyone's going to be doing it. So, like, uh, I think it's two girls and two boys do it. And then often we either go up and we watch that or our coaches film it and they send it to us. So that's what we get first. And then the following day, like, before training, there's always a course inspection every morning, no matter what, because the course is different. The gates are set up different. The snow could be running weird. There could be, like, death cookies going into one corner and you're going to want to know that they're there. So 
um, we go through that and then we try and memorize the course as much as we possibly can. And that's something that I definitely struggled with last year was remembering like how many rollers are in a roller pack and all of that jazz. But um, it's definitely something that comes with time and I've been practicing and then I write it down and I highlight the parts where um, I think that they're going to be like the money makers. <laughs> when I was growing up, my sister, when she would take me through um, course inspection into school, she would say, okay, this is the money gate. So I always look for the money gates. Um, and that's just something that I do internally. And then I go home and I refresh it. And then we often do qualifying the next day and then heats the following day or on the same day. You mentioned death cookies. Now it sounds like the best heavy metal band ever. <laughs> But I'm guessing it's got nothing to do with that. What what, what the heck is a death cookie? Um, it is where like the groomer, I think it comes from the groomers. It's where they like spit up and the um, balls of snow, they form. They could be all different sizes and shapes. And then overnight they freeze. Right. Um, so it's not smooth and completely easy to go through. And it could cause some, you have to be like stable to go through there. Okay, well, I'm glad I'm glad you clarified that because I'll give you an example. During Tokyo, we got very confused in the rowing when they kept talking about hitting crabs. And we thought <laughs> there must be some crab infestation in the Tokyo water that we don't know about. I'm not seeing them. But now it was explained to us. We understand it. So now during Beijing, if all of a sudden the commentators are going, ah, oh, she hit a death cookie, we're not going to be going like, well, what sort of evil cookies are the Chinese organizers putting on the course here? I don't, I don't know what they're doing. So clarification, <laughs> I like this. Yeah, no, I definitely didn't. What does hitting crabs actually mean? I'm not. It's I'm not. it's sort of the way they are hitting their their stroke is kind of out of time. So like they're sort of hitting right. the water at the wrong angle, and it puts their stroke off. If I'm explaining right. that correctly, any rowers listening, if I've gotten that wrong, that is my right. uh, recollection of what was taught to me. Yeah, that that makes sense. I mean, yeah. Well, death cookies. There you go. Now you know. Another thing to add to the lingo. I do, yes. We we do we do commentary, Josie, during the game. So if we do snowball cross, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure that I remember that for for our commentary with that. Youth Olympics, you go into it. We'll obviously talk about what happened, but when you sort of got selected, you were going to the Youth Olympics. I mean, did you go into that with any expectations, kind of like hopes for anything, or kind of did you just go into it wanting to relish the experience and and kind of see what you could come out of it with? Uh I mean, for me, I haven't done that many fist races leading up to it. So as soon as you turn 15, you kind of go into the open category for snowboarding and there's no more age. There's like youth and junior, which I think is under 20. And then at the Youth Olympics, it was just people born in 2002 and born in 2003. But um, I did a Europa Cup leading into it, which is like the level down from a World Cup. And I came third and that was like, very shocking to me I wasn't expecting that at all and um when that happened I was obviously over the moon and my dad came in and he told me he's like um sorry he's, he said <laughs> he was like oh like you, I, you've got this and I wasn't he didn't say like you're gonna win you know you can't it's impossible to predict anything like that particularly in the nature of our sport but um he, he was like kind of saying you've got this like I, I reckon you'll do it right and in the back of my head, I was like, I think I, I think he's saying that I can win, but I didn't want to think about it. And I, I didn't, I have like this thing where I don't know how I scale into other, where like the levels of other people, like 
I know that I'm a strong athlete, but when in regards to the comparison of other people, I really do not know where I sit. Like I watch somebody and I'm like, wow, they're really good. Like they're going to win. And I have, <laughs> they don't like, I, I'm really like, I have to work on that for sure. But um, so going into it, I was like thinking, oh, like, no, like I'm not that good. Um, and when I did my first heat, cause there was no qualifying, it did a, they did a very different um, system. They had like a round robin format and you would do five races and you gain points from them. And then if you had enough points, you would go into the semifinal and the final. So it was good cause you got the opportunity if you did stuff up or if, or if you did crash, then you still had an opportunity to come back. And if you won say four and came fourth in one, then you would still qualify. So um, that was really cool of them to do that, especially at something like that. It gives everyone a chance in case you don't just like, so you don't just like crash out and then it's over. So um, in my first round, I came second and I was like, okay, like, this is good. This is good. And then in the second round, I, I won. I was like, whoa, okay. This is weird. And the third round I won. I was like, okay, like, <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is getting weird. And I was like seeing my family at the bottom every run. And then when I made it into the semifinals, it was like, it was a bit emotional even then. I was like, wow, the worst I can do is come eight. Like yeah. I'm still like over the moon with that. I'm at the youth Olympics. And, um, when I won the semi-final, I was <laughs> I was really, really getting there. I went to the bottom and I was like, I was like, mom, like worst I can do is come forth. And I was like starting to even cry. And I was like, this is weird. Like you've never experienced these emotions before. And it was just so, it was so different. And, and I was like, well, it's not over yet. Like awesome job, but go back up. And I was like, okay. And I did. And I was like telling my physio at the top and she was also saying like, well, pull yourself together. Like you still have another race. It's, it's not done. It's like, okay, yeah, you're right. <laughs> it's not done. And, um, when, when I went through the final, it was, it was very crazy experience. And I think the leading, like having the consistency of winning minus the first one, it definitely opened my eyes to that chance, but you don't meet the other side of the pool until the, until the finals and the semifinals. So I, I knew that I hadn't raced everyone, but I had raced half of the field. So um, it, it was pretty cool. And were these athletes that you're coming up against in Europa Cup and, and other events or are some of these sort of new to you that are emerging athletes who hadn't really been competing in events you'd been at? Um, a lot of them were new, mostly because I had done more of more races in the northern, not in the northern hemisphere, we're still in the northern hemisphere, um, over in North America and um Europeans usually don't travel over there, especially juniors. So a lot of them were new. And I had raced a few of them at the Europa Cup leading into it, but not really. I had seen I had seen a few, but because it was only one race and it was in France, I didn't know a lot of the athletes. So I didn't know how I was going to scale up against any of them. But, um, yeah. The, the strategic side of it, when you win the semi and sort of you've mm. got people saying to you, like, you're not done yet, like, great, sure you can finish fourth great but you can win this do you just mm -hmm. simply have a, a word with your coach and say okay keep your similar strategy up or is it a case of well mm -hmm. you're up against these athletes now somebody's doing this because I mean, you mentioned Stephen Bradbury I mean the famous sort of strategy from him going into that final in 2002 was well mm -hmm. we made it into the final because everyone fell over just do the damn same thing and it might work again it yeah. did so like is that something similar that you do 
keep the same strategy because it worked in the semi, so this might work in the mm -hmm. final? Usually. I think um, your coaches, it's a bit different in the normal format because you see the other people racing and um, you usually meet up with them a bit earlier on and you kind of go through with one person meeting new people. So if you two have like a strong racing thing and you guys were just together and out in front, then you probably can keep that throughout it. But every rider is different, has different strengths and weaknesses. So no, no run is the same, but definitely the experiences from before definitely do come into play because for me, there was this girl, um, Anouk, and she ended up finishing third, I believe. Um, she did. She was definitely in third. And in the first heat, she was the one who won and she had beat me. So um, going into that first berm, I tried to go outside on her and it didn't work. I tried to overtake her through the outside and I ended up staying behind her for the rest of the competition, for the rest of that race. And then going into the final, I was like, okay, I have to, I have to do it again because her starts were stronger than mine. So I was like, well, going around the outside didn't work last time. I'm going to try the inside this time. And it worked. And that's how I got out in front. And that's where I was like, okay, <laughs> hold on to it. Hold on to it. And I knew from the bottom, like, that was my strong, stronger part is in the turns. So um, once I was down through there, I was like, I knew that one of the, the girls that came second, Margot, she's goofy. So she faces the opposite direction. And um, toe sides, you can take different lines to heel side. Like toe side, you can cut really in tight next close to the gates. Whereas heel sides, you usually tend to go wider and drop in low depending on the shape and style of the turns. But um I knew that she was going to have be able to catch me through those turns down the bottom because she was on her toes where I was on my heels and she did. <laughs> and I felt it behind me and I just remembered my coaches telling me to stay right down the bottom and not drift left because then that opens the room for them to just screw over onto the right side and come through the finish line before you. So I was thinking in my head, I think it was stay right. It could have been stay left, but. Um, I was just remembering that throughout the whole thing and I could feel it hot on my tail and she ended up finishing just 0 0.05 seconds behind me. So um, wow. I'm very glad I listened to them, but <laughs> you're, the, you're the person who knows the most and you're the only person experiencing it firsthand. So you obviously have the best knowledge, like your coaches are going to do everything they can to help you, but you're the one who knows. What, what I love hearing when you're explaining that, is that what well, a race is what a minute basically. And, mm -hmm. and you've got all of this still being able to go in your head in the middle of yeah. the, the chaos that someone like myself was watching. Like it's just so chaotic, but it's just, mm -hmm. it's just fascinating how you're able to still compute, remember, strategize, mm -hmm. board, do everything and kind of get to that point. I mean, that that's just incredible. Yeah, no, I think snowboarding definitely has to be kind of be first nature to you, second nature to you. Um, you have to, you have to be able to do it very easily and consistently. And when you have that strong foundation, you can think about other things. Like when you're going down the course, you're not thinking about how to turn. That's you're not thinking about, Oh, I have to put the pressure on like this part of my foot. You know, like you have to start ankles. Keep, you're not thinking about that. You're thinking about what's happening with the race and what's happening with the people behind you and the people in front of you and how you're going to overtake, how you're going to maintain your position. And I think that's one of the really cool aspects of it because you have to be so fundamentally strong to, to be able to be competitive in the sport. What is that moment like when 
you realize you won. Like, I, I love the footage of you crossing the line and obviously <laughs> that kind of realization moment when, when you've got the gold. But what is that moment like when you realize that you've done this, that you are a, a, a winter youth Olympic champion? Ah, it was so overwhelming. Like even thinking back on it now, it's just, it was crazy. I, I crossed the line and I was like, I think I won. And I, I had to, I, like, when I collapsed and I checked and I looked up to the board and I saw my name on top and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is crazy. <laughs> and I looked over on the other side of the fence and like I had so many friends and family there um, with other kids who were racing and who were nearby because I was on a snowboarding camp with my dad before I had like four of my closest friends there too. And they were holding the Aussie flag and all cheering. And it was just like, it was so overwhelming. And I just remember just getting swarmed by all these emotions I have never felt before. Like it wasn't like winning a race at home. It wasn't the same. It, it's like had scaled up by a million. And I think it, it was just, it was awesome. It was the best experience of my life. And one of the feelings that I'll hopefully cherish for the rest of my life. And were you aware that you had created history, that you were Australia's first ever winter youth gold medalist? No, I wasn't. I remember, I think Ramon was there and he was the um, chef de mission and um, he came up to me and he said, you're the first ever person to win. I was like, oh my gosh, like that's, that's so awesome. Like it's, it's cool because that title can never be taken away from me now. Like it's once it's yours, it's yours. You're the first yeah. person. You can there can only be one first person. So well, you mentioned Bradbury. I mean, you are you and Stephen <laughs> Bradbury are the same person basically. You know, you both created <laughs> history as winning that first gold medal. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. So um, it, it was pretty awesome. Which it must be such. a – I mean, as you said, it can never be taken away from you, and it will always mm -hmm. go down in the history books. But you mentioned about you sort of had these Olympic aspirations, and the Youth Olympics are a real dress rehearsal for the. Olympics, mm -hmm. not calling them normal Olympics or anything along mm -hmm. those lines. So are you are you also taking that opportunity to soak it all up? Because you, it's taking a step towards that dream of going to mm -hmm. the non-youth Olympics. So, you know, are you able to kind of soak in the atmosphere and, and relish in a gold medal, but also just relish in the moments and, and going, okay, well, this is giving me that drive now to push towards Beijing, Milan and beyond? Yeah, I think the way you put it as a dress rehearsal, dress rehearsal definitely is accurate. I, it, it was one of the best experiences of my life. And that wasn't just the racing part of it. I, if I didn't win, I still would have had that same view. Um, I met so many people that I still am in contact with now. And that's like the awesome thing about social media, you can stay in contact with them and it's cool to see them in different places all around the world and having, knowing people up there just, it makes you feel more at ease. It's like less overwhelming. You know, you don't have, you don't, see the big people and you're not like oh they're really good like I can't go up and talk to them everyone's really friendly but you also have like this group of friends that you you've all experienced that thing together and no one can ever take that away from you and it, it was even in the village the atmosphere was so awesome and it was so different walking in there I walked in with my friend Amber and we saw our bags sitting there with like our names on it and we were like oh my gosh like this is insane and it was just full of all these goodies and like this is all free. Like this is really happening. When we saw our uniform, we were like, Whoa, like this is nuts. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Um, yeah. So that was, that was like a really cool part of it. And it definitely has taken that whole like uh, unknown aspect away from it. I mean, it's been put back in a little bit by the whole COVID thing. We have no idea what it's going to be like. Seeing the Tokyo games definitely helped in that sense. But I think um, the way, the way, 
we were all there and the emotions and the everything like we were walking outside of the village i don't know if you've seen it but we stayed in like a big cylinder they called it the vortex and you could walk the whole way around and be going up it was really cool there was no steps and you could walk around this path and go to the top and you look down and you look down into the village and there was a tent and like there was live music there was games jenga there was um they do this pin quest thing thing and that's it's so fun yeah (laughs) Which, because like yeah. I'm always fascinated by pin collecting in general, but I love it when there's like an element to it where kind mm-hmm. of it's, it's it's almost like a Pokemon Go style thing, isn't it? The way yeah. you've got to get your pins, right? Yeah, it's so cool. You can go, you can go and trade pins. That's one way of getting different countries' pins. But you can also go around and you can achieve pins that say like different things, and you have to do a challenge for it. Like we did like an anti-doping one where you went and you learned about like the doping rules, which is awesome it's educational um we definitely need to know about that and then there's like ones like random challenges everywhere all around the place and you can look on the app and go around like pokemon go and then you go and you like talk to somebody and they give you the pin and then you can trade those rarer pins for the country's pins that you want it's, it was really cool it was fun like you bonded with a lot of different people because you had someone ask them for their pin did, did you end up getting a favorite like a pin that you just treasure above all the others <laughs> Um, not, not really. I mean, there was definitely like cooler ones than others. I can't remember what they are now, but I did have an Italian one. I loved the Italian one. I actually nice. put on my Crocs that my mum had bought me. I'm... <laughs> um... We should explain, but just for people who are watching this, there's a sensor light in the room you're in right now, which is, yeah. it's, I'm actually Sorry, really no, entertained no. by this. And it's kind of just like, it's almost like this big introduction, like a pop concert going on every single time. I come so... back. It's like. It's like a second life. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I actually still have my clubs. Wow. Right Just ready to go, right? Future. Now. <laughs> Future. They're my footwear of choice most of the time. They're wow. so practical. Um, so you're yeah, the one who wears them. them. People do wear Crocs. Okay. I get it. <laughs> I think we should bring them back. They should be more socially acceptable. Um, we need to work on that for sure because sometimes I do get a little um, embarrassed going down to somewhere and I'm like, I don't know if I should be in Crocs right now, but. Just I wear the medal, Josie. Just be like Winter <laughs> Olympic Youth Gold Medalist. I can wear Crocs if I want to. I can wear Come Crocs on. if I want to. Yeah, I think the celebrities wearing Crocs has definitely made it a little bit more socially acceptable, which is cool. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I put a little Italian pin in there and I was walking up the steps and I got to the top and it was gone. I couldn't find it. Um, wow. Mostly because it's not a Croc pin. It's just a pin. And I even had a sharp edge that I was... I was happy to embrace that, but, um, yeah, I lost it, which was really sad. Wow. So we're putting, like, an APB out there for your lost Italian pin. If somebody's found it, contact yeah. you, basically? Yes, please. <laughs> okay. All right. There, there's a special note out that we'll, that we'll put out there for that. We'll get to some sort of fun wrap-up questions in, in just a moment when, when it comes to just getting to know you a little bit more, Josie, and uh, learning some weird things about you. One thing I wanted to ask you about, though, you, in 2020 also, a recipient of the Tier 1 Scholarship for the Sports Hall mm-hmm. of Fame, which I believe you then get partnered with a yeah. pretty esteemed mentor in Susie <laughs> yeah. O'Neill. What's mm-hmm. that like and what does Susie teach you and, and how helpful is that to kind of have someone like that be able to mentor you? Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, as soon as I applied for that scholarship, I was like, if you get paired with somebody who's in the it's like Australia Sport Hall of Fame. They can't be a bad person. They're going to have to be like one of the most successful athletes in 
in the history of Australia, like to get into that Hall of Fame is impressive. So when I was paired with Susie O'Neill, I was like, oh my gosh. And my mum, my mum in particular, she was more in that age. She was like, oh, like that's awesome. Like that's so crazy. And um, it was really cool to have that experience. And I think like we're still in contact now and that's really nice, even though my year has, it's, it's nearly over from, um, which is sad. <laughs> but I think that it, it the way that they pair you with somebody outside your sport is really, it's really cool because you can find like parts that you might usually not talk about, like in some like similarities more in like the mindset things instead of like talking like specific snowball cross stuff. It's more sport general things, which I think is really interesting. And you kind of can see different sides of it and see how different sports affect different things. And um, whenever I like am feeling the pressure or I'm feeling like not quite, perfect I just send her a message and I ask like what the advice is on that and no matter what she gives back it always is so simple and I can understand it really easily so that's really awesome pretty cool to just be able to send Susie and Neil a message right (laughs) hey Susie how you doing (laughs) yeah it, it is great it's really good it's a really good opportunity the other thing I wanted to quickly touch on now I watched a couple of interviews you've done post uh, your, your race and, and I also the when you got uh, the award for Junior Athlete of the Year through Snow Australia. Mm-hmm. And I loved whenever it got brought up about school that you were sort of like, oh, mm. yeah, I've got to go back to school. Like, yeah, school, <laughs> school. Have you finished school now, Josie? You got that torture out of your life now? Because it seemed like that was yeah. a bit of a burden for you. <laughs> yeah, I graduated in 2020 um, and, like, I, I definitely went through phases through school where I was like, oh, gosh, I don't want to be here. And then, like, oh, I'd rather be snowboarding. But um, I, I, did, I did really enjoy learning. So I think going through school and being with my friends, and I definitely miss some parts of being at school for sure. Um, and I think I think when I graduated, I was, I was very excited because I was like, oh, like I can finally focus on snowboarding. And I think that's totally one of the main reasons why I wasn't completely in love with going to school. I mean, not very many people are. No, none of us are. Come on. <laughs> but I think having that better alternative made it that much more painful on those days when there was a good, good snow or I just wanted to be somewhere else. But um, now that it's over, I definitely miss parts of it. But um, I hopefully am going to study again soon. I've, I told myself that I was going to give myself up until the games to not do anything and just see what it's like to put all of my energy into snowboarding. And it's been, it's been great. I've loved it. I've definitely improved a lot and quite quickly, which is awesome. I'm very happy about that. Got to, got to ask what, what is the agenda for study? Like sort of what are you looking to towards going towards? Well, I have a lot of different interests in very different things. They're very broad and they don't really relate to each other. I like interior design and I like nutrition and how the body works, but, I think the thing is at the moment, I'm not loving any of the jobs that pair up with them, but I would like to learn about them and I would still be happy to learn about them. And even if I learned like, um, I like sports physiology and how, how the body works and how like feeding your body and like the chemistry sides of that, I find that like super interesting. And that's what my sister's studying at the moment. And when she talks about it, like I'm always so interested, but I think that can kind of go into my snowboarding help because if I have a good understanding then I know what I have to do to my body and I know how it works. So I think that kind of relates to into border cross and I think that would be beneficial. So maybe I'll do that, but who knows? 
Is it is it a question you get sick of people asking you? Like, what are you going to study? Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's expected. Everybody, everyone gets that question, no matter who you are. But um, yeah, I it's yeah. Just get the medal. Just seriously, hold. I don't <laughs> care what I'm doing. Look at this gold. Like you yeah, know, just, just yeah. shove it in people's face. That's your excuse. That's your <laughs> jail free. You know, ticket out of jail card right there. Yeah. <laughs> kind of, and and like I, I mean, we always ask our. Our medals. I believe you are our first ever uh, youth Olympic medalist. So, I mean, do you? What do you do with the medal? Like, is it on display at mum and dad's house? Is it something you kind of put in your pocket for some inspiration? Like, what do you what do you do with it? Um. So we actually get this get this like case. It's a very nice box, and it's like, felt on the inside, and it has like the metal insert, and the ribbon goes underneath. Nice. Um. And it's it's really cool. It's really cool. But I have like this one shelf above my bed, and it has like a few like candles and a book and some cool aesthetic trophies um, that I have collected over the years. But there's like a big um, wooden fin, a surfboard fin from the Bates Island because it's like kind of surfy, but it was a snowboard there. So that's up there and I I have the box there too with like another, um, with the, what's it called junior athlete of the year award which is a class so it's really it's really nice and classy so i keep like the aesthetic trophies on that shelf um and it's on there with that inside the box so it doesn't get ruined but it comes out like like whenever someone comes to my house who hasn't seen it they be be honest Josie even like you know like uh, oh what's that doing there oh my well (laughs) funny story do you want to hear what I did with this (laughs) just accidentally right you know that that but it's it's I I like that kind of level of some candles and books use Olympic gold medal just you know (laughs) just casual casual kind of like it it it, it works that way better than the sock drawer so many of our guests yeah yeah, the sock drawer. Yeah, Olympic I'm just, I think I'd get worried if I ever lost it. But um, I, I was when I came home. It was actually a funny story. I was, um, I put it in my carry-on bag because I, I was like, what if my bag gets lost? Like, I, I want to have it. Like, I want to know where it is. So I put it in my carry-on and going through the um, like X-rays at the the customs in the airport. They were like, they stopped it and they pulled it. They they opened my bag and I was like, oh no! Like, they can see this big like metal thing through the x-ray so they they got it out and they were like opening it and they were talking in French to each other and my mom and I were just laughing <laughs> laughing we were standing there and they were opening it up and they had to go I had it in like a I carry like little bags where I put like my socks and undies and I put it in just one of those bags to protect the box mm-hmm. that was protecting the metal wow. but um they they like were taking it out and they had to like open it all the way up and they opened it and they're like oh and they're like saying stuff in French to the <laughs> French to the other colleagues, and it, it was really funny. Um, Mark Mel and I was just standing there, and we were just watching and laughing. But um, they gave it back to me, and I continued. I hope on. so. Continue on. <laughs> <laughs> no, we need to confiscate this. No, 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 no. Can't yeah, have imagine. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, I, I love. There was a few Olympians on social media I saw when they came back from Tokyo. They did the whole like going through the scanner thing, and they go beep beep, <laughs> and like oh, oops, and they'd like pull out like a gold medal from within their shirt. Sorry. You yeah, know, so there's an idea for you, like, you know, kind of just keep traveling around that. Now, Josie, as I said, we like to wrap up a series of sort of get to know you style fun mm-hmm. questions. These are a questionnaire that Team Canada gave their athletes ahead of Rio and Pyeongchang, and we're hopeful that they're doing it ahead of Beijing. We've heard whispers that they're bringing this back. And as always, 
there is a drawing element if you want to do it. Now, we've had two fantastic bobsledders on this show. Both Ash Werner and Sarah Blazard did some drawing. We put it on our social media. So if you want to join your fellow winter friends by uh, drawing, please do some homework, send it in. Otherwise, I know you hate school, so you don't have to. So... Yeah, no, no just... I mean, I'll have a look around. Will, You'll have a look. Have a look. All right. So the, 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 <laughs> you can draw a picture of yourself. If you were an animal, what would you draw? And there's draw a picture of one of your teammates. So that's always fun. Uh-huh. You know. Yeah. Just, uh... I mean, if I, if I was an animal, if I was an animal, my first instinct was to say an elephant because that okay. has been like one of my, I don't know. I don't know if I'd call it my favorite animal, but it has been the um, animal that I've like collected. I, I don't okay. know why. Like all of my stuffed animals growing up as an elephant. I still have like Dumbo um, from Disney. I still yeah. have him. <laughs> um, and I had like little like um, toy versions of them. And like when my mom went to Bali, she brought me back one. And I don't know. It's just been something that I've collected over the years. Super, super bizarre, super random. But the other one was going to be a turtle, which oh. they're, they're, they're very different. Um, yeah. Well, we'll go faster I, I than a snowball. Sim- <laughs> Elephant's heavier, so I don't know if that goes faster. But Yeah, you know. um, I'm not really sure what my similarities to those animals are. But <laughs> Test your drawings. <laughs> Draw us an elephant and a turtle. Why not? You know? <laughs> it's not like you've got a World Cup or anything to prepare for. I mean, come yeah. on. You know, just, you know, that. Uh, we'll start off with your favourite ever Olympic moment is. I think it would have to be I would – Probably Torah, seeing Torah win. I think that would probably be one of the craziest ones for sure. And then Kathy Freeman, I I didn't see that one live, but looking back on it, that's an incredible moment. And then my own, okay, yeah. three. But, um. You can say that. Which it's it's one of these moments where it like. <laughs> I feel slightly old knowing that you weren't even alive during not only Kathy Freeman, but you weren't even alive when Stephen Bradbury won the gold medal. So I'm like, you know, that's it. Uh, What what about, I mean, just the sport, I mean, seeing Jared obviously, you know, get the silver in in Pyeongchang, I mean, how much of a boost is that for the the sport? You know, I mean, we'll see a great success on the world stage outside of the Olympics, but an Olympic medal, the first ever one achieved by Jared. Yeah, no, it, it was awesome. Um, I know Jared really well and my dad, well, he came on a few camps with my dad and my dad cried, which was cool. He went he went away. I was at school, so I came home from school and I watched it, but he was um, down at like the, where everyone was watching it, at the bowling club. And um, it, it was really awesome and his reactions, no matter when it is, they're always so good and so raw and I, I, I really love that about him and um, seeing that definitely was was eye-opening and again helps you know that it is possible so it, it's cool it's very exciting it love i mean that that final having i mean chumpy in the final as well like it was such a yeah mm-hmm. one of my most memorable moments of pyeongchang if you could have any superpower what would it be oh gosh um mm, i think it would be I wanted to say it'd be invisible, but I don't know. I think teleportation would be yes. up there for me. Um, traveling is probably one of the worst parts about going overseas is the plane. But <laughs> but I think um, if you could teleport, that would be really cool. It would take you could go home, you could see your dogs, and come back and yeah. You, know. <laughs> you, you see, oh, what am I going to do? I go see my dogs. How many how many dogs do you have? Do you, yeah. Can we give you a shout out to your dogs? I do have, I have one dog, his name is Alvin and he's a caboodle and he's the cutest little gem in the world. <laughs> I love him um, and I miss him very much. 
Perfect. Well, yeah, go get that, you know, transport him back there and kind of, you know, have, have it as a mascot. Your favourite sports movie is? Oh, I think it would have to be Cool Runnings. Yes. Um, Great iconic. answer. Yes. Is, are there it's snow, so fun. Is there a snowboarding movie? I feel there's got to be snowboarding movies. Yeah, yeah there is. The Art of Flight I also love. Um, right. It has, it has um, Walking on a Dream, I think that's what it's called, um, yeah. that song. And every time oh, it comes on, I think of The Art of Flight. Um, and uh, that movie, it's a, a backcountry movie, so it's like freestyle and um, powder and they go up in helicopters and they ski the backcountry and that's like one of the most beautiful, beautifully made snow movies ever. I love it. Which I always like to then equate any sport to James Bond. If James Bond has done mm-hmm. it, it's cool. A View to a Kill, he did snowboarding. They played California Girls by the Beach Boys. And I think that yes. movie is actually <laughs> legitimately considered as a bit of a, a progression for snowboarding because it wasn't widely known when that movie was released. So thanks, I'm James sure Bond. Be. <laughs> yeah, thanks, James Bond. <laughs> you know, always got to thanks, James Bond, for that. And seeing like an 80 year old Roger Moore on a snowboard, why wouldn't you want to see that? Um, <laughs> yeah. your, your funniest childhood memory is? Oh, funniest childhood memory. Gosh. I don't have very many. I, I have a very bad memory. <laughs> I mean, it's good. It's it's like not it's not bad, but childhood. Um, I don't know. Can't think of one. What's yours? Oh, oh look at you turning the tables on me here, Joe. That's a good question. Um, <laughs> I remember my sister liked to do things in which, like you know how like you goat your siblings on? Like we had these stairs mm-hmm. at our house, which was a very small gap. And I'm like, I bet you can fit under there. And she's like, yeah, I probably could. So she did. She got stuck, um, which is fantastic. Oh. And um, we true. got, I remember when we first got wheelie bins and she was like, I bet you I can get in there. I'm like, I bet you can too. Go on. And she got stuck <laughs> and I just kind of walked off and left her in there. So, I mean, <laughs> I sound like a horrible brother. <laughs> But uh, I could tell you some horrible things she did to me, but we're not here to do that. But they, they were funny. They were funny at the moment. Yeah. So Yeah, I, that actually made me think of one. My We had like this electric, I think it was a tricycle. It was big. Now. And um, my sister and my brother, they're both older than me. My sister's five years older than me. And my brother's a year and a half. And I don't remember this one, but I've seen a video of it. And now I remember the video. But I, I was in a nappy and we're going down the driveway and my sister was on um the electric motorbike and she was going down the driveway and she got my brother to get on and then they came back up and they're like here Josie get on get on and then I went to go get on and she sped off down down the <laughs> down the driveway and I'm there in my nappy chasing after her and my brother on this electric motorbike <laughs> wow okay there's something you yeah. need to share on social media for us now <laughs> just uh you need to do that one I like this these, these deep questions uh your favorite pump up song is Ooh, um, it definitely changes a lot. I think anything 2000s, the the best sing-along songs. I mm-hmm. can't think of a specific one off the top of my head right now, but I think anything like that, a bit of pink in there, a bit of Taylor Swift sometimes, a um, bit of MKTO. T-O, yes, yes. Yep, a bit of them. Um, <laughs> anything, anything that 
has like a good beat in the background um gets me gets me pumped up what's what's what am i why am i what's that why have i gone blank in that song i want to dance like michael i want to use that prince oh, yeah 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 oh yeah god jesus yeah. good song wow <laughs> it is like, a good song it is a really good song sing along pumping up yeah great great yeah. choice um <laughs> the most recent tv show that you binge watched is Oh, this is shameful. Me, me and sorry, <clears throat> me and Mia, who is one of my teammates here, she's we're like very similar in age. We have been watching Love Island. Ah. Uh-huh. <laughs> we we are currently watching the UK one on um in our spare time as well as okay. on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday because the Aussie one doesn't come out. It's only Monday through Thursday. So. Uh-huh. When we're deprived, we go we go go back and watch. She's actually rewatching um <laughs> the UK one, and she's like, "You have to watch it." But I, yeah, we're watching that at the moment. Look, no shame. Just <laughs> own it. I like that. You know, yeah. um, yeah. it's 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 cheap, fun television that you don't have to think it's, too it's much. It's awesome. Right? It's awesome. I love it. Yeah, and you get to look at beautiful people fight over each other. So yeah, who wouldn't? It couldn't like be better. That? Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Maybe we need to do a spin-off here and off the podium of <laughs> the Love Island. That doesn't really work, does it? I'll work on the title. Uh, your least favourite foods are? My least favourite foods. Um, this is really random, but tomatoes, but not just tomatoes. Like I can eat the shell of a tomato. It's just really the juices um, oh. that, that, that get me. Um, and then mushrooms I'm learning to like. Okay. I. I, I really wish I did like them because they're in so many things. If it's like blended into something, I'll eat it. Um, but just a straight up mushroom, I can't get I can't get around it yet. So they would, they would be up there. I feel you're still so young that your taste buds are still like developed. Like you know the I whole cliche: so. you're out, your parents are tower. When you're older, you'll like like it. It happens. But I mean, having yeah, said that, I'm, I'm 34. I still don't eat vegetables, so I'll grow up <laughs> one day. So yeah, I'm yeah. hoping I'm hoping I'm gonna learn to like mushrooms and full tomatoes, but. We'll how's how's a sun-dried tomato less juice in a sun-dried tomato yeah i can have a sun-dried tomato and i can have cherry tomatoes if this goes to make it sound so fussy but i can have a cherry <laughs> tomato if it's like cut in half it's just if i eat eat it and it like pops in my mouth i, I, I don't know and like cooked tomatoes like love them fried on a barbecue love them it's the insight here, Joe. Like, like, don't be ashamed. Like, like, we're learning so much. As I said, this is, you know, just the extra levels that we try to get out to you on the show here. Um, you still, I mean, we touched on this before about your studies, but if you weren't an athlete, what would you be? Ooh, I don't think I would want to be anything else. <laughs> I think, I think right now, if I if I wasn't an athlete, I would be having a gap year at home. Um, and gonna go into studying but uh yeah i'm not too sure you could apply for love island i mean there's an idea you know (laughs) hey look at me no seriousness you know like they would probably eat that up like winter youth olympic gold medalist you know like it would be fun i mean i have like this like exterior goal of mine and it's to go on big brother um hey they they would take you i mean lydia went on survivor (laughs) twice so why wouldn't they have you know an Olympian. Survivor is very hardcore. She she's very hardcore. I don't know how she did it and then did it twice. Um, well, Stephen Bradbury, of course, did it. Nova did it. Uh, we just had Baden. Like a bunch of Olympians have done um, yeah. Survivor. So, but I don't. Yeah, yeah. Have, has an Olympian done Big Brother? Not off the top of my head that I can think of. So yeah, I'm not too. I, I mean, it's not really a show that I watch religiously, but I think it would be really fun. Uh, 
Hey, so again. that's like an exterior goal of mine. So one day yeah, I'll listen, make that happen. Channel 7 broadcasts the Olympics. When you get to the Olympics and you're doing these great little fluff pieces, you've got Mel McLaughlin in front of you, you know, uh, kind of doing all this sort of stuff, like just just drop some hints. Like, hey, yeah, Mel, I will. I will. Like, psst, Big Brother. Like, I want to be it. Like, once I've won the Olympics, put me on Big Brother. That Eat yeah, that up. Channel 7, love that. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. That'll be really cool. When I retire, that's yep. that's what I want to want to do. Yeah, there you go. Look at this. We're we're working this career. You don't need to study all this stuff, and you like big no, brother. No. Path set. Path yeah. set. Your favorite vacation spot is. Mm. This is this is a tough one because vacation way. I usually think I would usually go snowboarding, and I would say that going to Mammoth Mountain with my family and friends. That's definitely one of my favorite places but I also just love going to really warm places anywhere near a beach it's lush it's relaxing it's nice it's different um I can't wait actually until I get home me and Tess Cody we're gonna go up to Brisbane and do another training camp well we've planned this we, we, we haven't <laughs> we have, we're hoping this is gonna happen because we did it last year but um just going out there and going to the beach I think anywhere with the right people is perfect Good answer. Do you ever do you go to Banff and do the whole like Bath and Banff kind of like sort of I thing? To, no, I haven't, but I have thought about it numerous times. I think there's a blog in there, like you could just kind of create yeah. something, you know, like <laughs> do the the whole Australian like move to Canada thing, move to you know Banff and Bath and Banff. I just it sells itself. Yeah, it, it would be perfect. Pe- people would <laughs> tune in. Uh, what's something that people usually describes you as? Ooh, I think um, I, I get weird sometimes and i don't take that as a negative thing i I, I think that is a beautiful positive thing you have to have some kind of level of quirkiness in my opinion um that's that's your personality and i also think like family-wise i get like determined and like loving it it really depends on who i'm with i think my personality kind of shifts a a lot but yeah there's only a few of the things and hard working that's that's what i'd like to think they describe me as Good answers. I, I just stick with, stick with weird too. We, weird's nothing. <laughs> weird's fantastic. Um, now, again, with something we also sort of touched on, if you could be an Olympian in any other sport other than your own, what would it be? Mm. I think it would probably be ski racing, but then again, who knows? Again, any, any of Esther. them. <laughs> Esther, you can do it. Like, you know, it's kind of that way. Last question for here, Josie. Your guilty pleasure is? Ooh. This could also be watching Love Island. It, it could it could hey, be up there. True, true. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, probably watching. That's the only thing I can think of right now off the top of my head. Wearing Crocs. Yep. <laughs> Wearing <laughs> Crocs <laughs> while watching Love Island. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, like again. Helps and having you. some choppy almonds. That's, yeah, that's, that would be perfect for me. <laughs> perfect Friday night, basically, yeah, kind of uh, I do. doing that. Josie, before we let you go, if people want to stay up to date with you, social media, anything you want to plug, kind of where can people find you, stay up to date with, with your journey moving forward? Well, on Instagram and Facebook, I'm under at Josie Bath. So if you go to either of those, I'm pretty much at Josie Bath on any of my social medias. And that would Easy. be lovely if you did that. Thank you. Yes. And, and TikTok, I always like to ask TikTok, is it a thing or...? Um, let's let's say no. Okay, <laughs> let's say let's no say for no. now. Maybe maybe one day I'll I'll work on like my editing skills and put out some put out some content. But right now it is very awkward dancing <laughs> with 
my friends that we think. So you're saying people should be looking for this and uh, (laughs) wetting their appetite. (laughs) I'm writing that down. I don't even even know what it is most of the time. Josie, seriously, it's been a lot of fun learning about yourself, the sport, your achievements so far, and we're we're crossing fingers, toes. Obviously, by the time we release this, it's going to be a little bit closer to Beijing, so we'll probably know Mm -hmm. whether you're there or not. But we obviously, as the time of recording this, crossing all those fingers and toes that everything goes well for you in the World Cup season. We see you in Beijing and if not Beijing, Milan, if not Milan, 2030, all the Olympics basically and uh, going forward for your uh, career from this point on. Perfect time with the light yet again. I know, perfect from the beginning to the end. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. It's been been lovely talking to you and um, hopefully I am at Beijing. Fingers crossed. Fantastic insight there from Josie into her sport and her career. And we are fingers crossed, of course, for Beijing, should she be there. And I can honestly say I've never actually watched Love Island. Not really my type of show I watch. But, uh, hey, if I've got someone like Josie telling me it's a fun show to watch, maybe I'll, I'll have to check it out and we will have that spin-off. We've got so many spin-offs here on Off the Podium that... Uh, Who knows where and when we can also add to that list as well. But big thanks to Josie for her time there. As we get closer and closer, we are days away now from the opening ceremony. We're continuing daily episodes, of course, between now and the closing ceremony of Beijing. Stay tuned to who we've got coming on the show because there's plenty of great chats to come, plenty of great episodes to come, plenty of great content to come. If you're an Olympic fan, you are getting very excited right now and we have you covered here on Off The Podium, so make sure you do tune in and get yourself very, very excited. Big thanks again to Josie. Big thanks to everybody for tuning in. My name is Ben. Shout out to Jason Momoa. And remember, as always, go left. What an episode. You loved every single second of it. It's Ben again, just quickly reminding you once again, if you want to help us win a Sports Podcast Award, sportspodcastawards.com, register to vote, click on Best Olympic and Paralympic Podcast section, listen to the other nominees and then go, hey, off the podium's awesome. They're so good. They put in so much work and so much effort and we just love them and they deserve to go on the podium for once. Ben's awesome. Jared's awesome. Colin's okay, but he's also kind of awesome. We'd really appreciate it. And particularly if you've actually listened to the rest of this and ended up here, because generally I assume you've well and truly tuned out by now. But seriously, if you're at this point of the podcast, then you're a true listener. And that means that you're a true fan and you should vote for us. Sportspodcastawards.com. Do it now. We will thank you forever. Literally ever. Like every episode moving forward, we will thank you forever. Sportspodcastawards.com. All right. Thanks for tuning in. We'll speak to you next time on Off the Podium. I'm really going to go now. Bye.